Welcome back, everybody, to all of your favorite favorite convention-based podcasts, Conjob. Uh, this week, we've got uh, world-renowned cosplayer Carlos Blanchard hanging out with us, giving us some talk. Welcome to the podcast, Carlos. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm very honored. Well, thank you. It's uh, it, the honor is all ours. Trust me. Uh, so, I, for those of uh, those of you out there that, uh, that aren't familiar with Carlos's work, um, tell tell us a little bit about you and uh, and what you what you do and what you've done, Carlos. Um, I, I this is always difficult for me. So, I'm mainly known for being Batman. That's how the world, and I, 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 again, I hate saying this, but the world knows me as Batman. Uh, back in 2000, I've been cosplaying since I was a little kid with those masks that had the little slit where you always cut your tongue. And the <laughs> little like, garbage, yeah. garbage bag, yes. plastic, the rubber yes. band went around to hold the yes. mask on. Yeah. The, yeah. Well, when <laughs> toys were actually still dangerous. Yes. Um, so since way back then, I just never grew out of it. And, yeah, I, I've been doing it ever since, yeah, before it was actually cool. And then uh, in 2012, I came up with a design for a medieval Batman. And, yeah, I, I, I worked with a guy named uh, Samuel Lee from PrinceArmory.com. And together we came up with what is quintessentially the the in my opinion and of course I'm biased the greatest um medieval bat suit ever made cuz up until that point I'd never seen that and I knew it caused a stir but it actually went viral and it just went absolutely nuts and from that point on I got on the map on a world stage as opposed to just you know locally or statewide or you know for nationwide for that matter uh, since then um and because of that suit you know i've been a guest at you know many cons around the united states i've been a guest at conventions in china i've been a guest in conventions in saudi arabia which just happened to be their very first comic con um in san salvador uh poland not that long ago. Um, actually, China twice. And, and uh, just to reedify, that was the, their very first Comic-Con as well. And in January of next year, I'm slated to go to Japan. Oh, very cool. How many? Yeah, sh- I know you're excited about that one. I, it's top of my bucket <clears throat> list. How, how many shows would you say you do in a normal year? Like, obviously, pre-2020. Um, I'm very, very picky because I have a day job. And, oh, okay. yeah, that I cosplay is... I, I did the, the cosplay thing for a couple of years. And it's, yeah, I'm basically making props and stuff like that. I mean, several of the things that I've created have gone viral. Uh, I A lot of people have seen my work, but they don't know who I am which I'm kind of cool with because it gives me that whole Bruce Wayne thing. You know, when I take off the cowl, nobody knows who I am. So, um, 
yeah, I tried that for a while, but yeah, it's, it's always hit or miss. And yeah, it was, it was a lot. So, yeah, I, I am a master carpenter. I work strictly on uh, mega yachts and that is my nine to five. So when I do take on a con, I have to take my work into consideration. And so I'll go mainly to cons. I get invited to a lot of cons, but I'll go to the ones that I feel are the most important for me. Yeah, the, the ones that I really like to go to. Yeah, it would be worth my while to take time off of work and put all the effort into it. Because, I mean, when I do guest at a show, I put my everything into it. Uh, a great example of when uh, I did the show in Beijing, uh, the uh, coordinator, the director of the show asked me, you know, what costumes I was bringing. And, you know, we started talking and I came up with an idea that uh, myself and one of the other guests, Anamia, we would create a costume and then raffle off those costumes to the cosplayers that inspired us the most while we were there. And as far as we knew, we were the first cosplay guests to ever do something like that. So it was something I was very, very proud of. And, you know, I do tons of panels, lots of Q and A's, you know, cause I love spreading the, you know, the, the, the wealth of knowledge I may have. And I love listening to other cosplayers and, you know, hearing what their experiences are and, yeah, when when they ask me a question that I may know the answer to, because by no means am I the best out there. I I will freely admit, and people can look it up. I was named top ten male cosplayer three years in a row, and all that stuff. But I am I am the last person to ever put any you know real weight into that because I I can name off. 20 different people who I think are a thousand times better than I am. I've just been very, very fortunate that my work has resonated with a lot of people and I've got a good fan base and I've got a very loyal fan base and they're always really nice. So yeah, that, that pretty much sums up my, my cosplay pedigree. How, how would you, I I was going to say, I was going to say, how would you say that you got started in it? Honestly, I just, I just decided to do it. I mean, I, okay. I think the best way to put it is when, uh, Tim Burton's Batman, uh, hit the theaters. I was hooked. I was like, Oh my God, that is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I have to make that suit. And this is, you know, right before the internet became, you know, where everything is. And, you know, you, you had to make this stuff up and you had to sculpt and you had to learn how to sculpt. And, you know, you, you know, there, there wasn't smooth on at that point. So you had to, you know, really use your creativity to make these costumes. And my early attempts were honestly the most horrible things on earth. I mean, I burned all the photo evidence that exists because, you know, but yeah, it, it's it was something that I really, really enjoyed. And it's just it stuck with me. And then when the Internet became more available and I found my first Batman group, you know, who just dedicated, you know, to making Batman costumes. And these guys were just absolutely insane. I mean, uh, David Pia from uh, 
UD replicas. Yeah. He was one of the members. Yeah, and I've known him since you know back in the early nineties. And yeah, you know, these people would actually take photographs, thirty-five millimeter photographs, screenshots of their TV playing a VHS of Batman, or if it came on TV, and then share those images. And that that's how analog it was back then. And you know we learned from each other and we, we freely gave information to everybody. You know, we shared everything and it was, it was really, and ironically enough, the, the name of the website was brotherhood of the bat and it really was a brotherhood. So once I got into that, I, I was hooked. Yeah, that was it. That, you know, I, I absolutely loved it. And since then, I've been, you know, part of a whole bunch of different groups. I was actually one of the founding members of Costumers with a Cause, uh, the nonprofit charity group that's worldwide now. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I've, I've done a lot. It, it's always been something very, very important to me. So, yeah, I mean, if that answers that question in a very long-winded manner. <laughs> so, I mean, you're... You're an ambassador, like in in the best sense for cosplay. I mean, I, I I have firsthand experience with you. You know, when we first met, I think the uh, the coolest thing that you did, you knew that I I liked the uh, you know the mask that yeah, uh, the another cosplayer hat. had. Yeah. yeah, and and you just brought me one, and I thought that was like the best thing ever. We've been friends ever since. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I, I I can't like I can't speak enough about how good you are for the cosplay community well, I appreciate um, that. but I, so you know you talk about the conventions that you've done and you know we we know that uh you know it, this has been a this has been a rough you yeah. know a rough patch of time for cosplayers yeah definitely. because i mean we've got all this all these materials and all these ideas and we don't have anywhere to to show them off except in our living rooms yeah. how you know being you know Having having the you know the experience, having the standing that you do, you know, and and looking out across the you know what what is kind of the wreckage of of twenty twenty and conventions, <laughs> how, how do you see us moving forward for the cosplay community? You know, what do you what do you think is going to happen in the next you know the next few months when we start seeing cons open back up for cosplay? Well, honestly, I I believe that all this downtime that people have had has given people the opportunity and the time to refine their art and they've practiced their skills because they're not under pressure you know to get a a cosplay done where they're like oh that's good enough and then they just move on so now they've had time to actually really invest the time into the costume make it as best as they can or yeah, they've been able to experiment with new techniques that they didn't have time for before because, yeah, there was a con every other weekend. So I, I think, honestly, once the cons start opening up again, which, yeah, between us, I personally, I believe that we're not going to see anything really until 2022. I think this year, because... If you think about the logistics behind it, a lot of the big cons like Megacon and, you know, New York Comic Con and C2E2 and all these others, um, 
they're going to run into an issue where they were they will still only be able to bring in x amount of people because of you know covid and everything like that so it's not worth it financially to secure a big hall you know like the javits center or something like that so they're going to scale back somehow and it's going to be smaller more intimate shows and I think they're going to wait a little bit until more people get inoculated and they see how the inoculations are going and you know everything like that. Because, I mean, yesterday during the Super Bowl, it was a great example. Inside the stadium, every, everybody was nice and safe. But all outside the stadium, nobody gave a damn about wearing masks. So that's a big fear because, of course, if one of these conventions becomes a super spreader event, that that just ruins it for everybody else. So I, I think you're going to be seeing a lot of smaller cons happening, more you know local than anything else, sort of testing the waters, and then they're going to be you know, ramping up towards the end of the year, in my opinion, to the larger scale ones once you know we get through all this COVID madness. You know, it's funny that you say, you know, the, the whole super spreader thing. We last, well, I think it was last week, Ryan, we, uh, we talked about, uh, um, oh, the West Palm show. What was that? Oh my gosh. Or the, Ultra. the Miami oh. show. Rather. Um, not, not Ultracon. Or, oh, Otaku Fest. Otaku, Otaku Fest. Fest. Yeah. Yes. I don't, I don't know if you heard about this, Carlos, but there was a, uh, there was a, a little bit of controversy where, um, one artist ma- made up a story yeah. yep. ab- about how, you know, another artist attended knowing they were yeah. affected. And, right. you know, that, that is the, that, that's the, the thing. Like we can't have stories like that because exactly people are going to use that and they're not even going to hear that it was a lie. Yeah. They're going to hear until proven innocent. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, exactly. Especially, you know, now because of the sensationalism of it, you know, people are just going to be, oh, it was a super spreader event. And that's all they're going to focus on, whether it's true or not. Exactly. Um, that's it's, it's funny that you said that. So I, we we we, we kind of have a little bit of a different opinion, you know, for us, because we're already starting to see, you know, the yeah. turnings of the smaller conventions. Right. And and that's why I was saying I, I think the smaller venues are going to start opening up better be, or more because you, you're going to see they can control the crowd a little bit better. But the bigger venues, yeah, financially it just doesn't make sense if they have to call you know the amount of people they can actually bring in. Yeah, they can't. Their business model can't support that. No, and I I agree. We uh, we've talked about how how these larger conventions can, uh, you know, right. can, can scale back and be okay. Because I mean, I'm sorry, it's tough. It's tough for, for us as vendors to, uh, you know, to be able to, to look at a convention and go, Oh, they're only going to allow 50% capacity, but they're going to have the same amount of right. vendors. What? Right. Exactly. And the same cost or more. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, right. Yeah. All the hotels are not going to charge 50% because they're going to get, yeah, they're only able to do fifty percent capacity. Right, right. So I wonder if yeah. there's ever something that a that a um, that a con like a promoter can do with the building, some sort of have everybody sign a waiver. Well, the the <laughs> problem to... with that is you can't really enforce it. What and do you that, mean? Well, 
I mean, legally, you, know, you make people come in and sign a waiver. Any two-bit lawyer, you know, if there happens to be something that does happen, they will sue these corporate entities because you know it's no longer a mom and pop thing. You know, like Megacon used to be owned by Beth. And yeah, so now it's corporations that own these major conventions and yeah, the the conventions will win the majority of all those suits, but they'll go broke doing so. And it's it's just not worth the risk. No, and I, I, I kind of agree, you know, the the waiver Conventions will get vilified for asking people to sign waivers. Yeah, um, I, I wasn't saying that was the way no, to go. Just no, it, it out no, there it, as a potential Oh yeah, option. It, uh, and, I, and I guarantee you, you're not the first Sorry. person to throw that out either. Yeah, yeah but yeah. Well, uh, Alexa's right. Yeah, I was going to say it, fe- it felt like an original idea yeah. that I had, but <laughs> <laughs> no. But I mean, it, uh, Alexa's right. They'd get vilified for doing that because they'd be like, all they care about is money and greed. Yeah, they don't care about the patrons, you know, so they're signing, you know, they're having people sign a waiver. Sign your life away, essentially. Literally sign your life away. Literally, right. So, (laughs) yeah, you can see where it would create some bad press. Yeah, yeah. It sounded good in my head, but then once we start talking about it, never mind. Once you you put her on a leash and walk it, it becomes a different story. Right, yeah. Now, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go a little bit off track and I, there, there's a lot of vendors out there and there's a lot of con promoters that really like, they don't like cosplay. They don't, they don't like cosplayers because they have this like crazy, you know, thing embedded in their heads that cosplayers don't spend money, you know, on the vendor floor, um, you know, the, the promoters, Whenever it comes to cosplay guests, I know a lot of promoters that will not bring in a cosplay guest that they actually have to like, you know, pay for a hotel and like a flight and, you know, give them a stipend. Like they won't bring in cosplayers like that. They want the cosplayers to volunteer their time, you know, and and provide like all of these panels, like from your, you know, from where you're sitting, why is it beneficial one for promoters to bring in cosplay guests and actually compensate those cosplay guests. And two, like what, what do you have to say to the vendors that like hate cosplayers because they think that they never buy anything? Well, I, there, there's definitely a stigma and it's been going on like that for well over a decade. Yeah. It, it, that I've seen. And it's partially true. Yeah. Because they've spent all their money plays and the ticket to get in, hotel room and the food and you know of age the liquor you know and they're saying everything else because i mean this stuff's expensive going to cons are expensive so they don't have any you know expendable cash to to spend you know at the booths much like collectors yeah and, and and those people who physically go there just to buy stuff from vendors but they do draw people into the conventions. I mean, they do. Yeah, especially if you have, you know, uh, like Yaya is a great draw. You know, Jessica Negri is a great draw. And, and I could name off a million, you know, different 
Um, because so, yeah. but okay, let me let me sure. interject real yeah. quick before you go forward. So, Yaya and Jessica are huge names. They're they're literally the two faces of yeah. cosplay. Um, God, that sounded terrible the way it came <laughs> out, but you know what I mean. Um, they are the 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 faces of cosplay. Um, but like, yeah. What about a cosplayer like, um, you know, like an Ivy Doom Kitty or a Daniel DiNicola or, you know, even like those cosplayers that are like locally or regionally popular? Danielle, you know, she's got a large following as well. It's not specifically for cosplay as of yet, although she's getting there. She's extraordinarily talented. Oh, you're cutting out again. Yeah, Get out of your box. Uh, Ivy is more known for her cosplay and for inspiration and stuff like that. Where, you know, Danielle is still relatively new to the cosplay scene, although she's been there for a few years. So they're all, and yeah, they'll have their particular draws, but they're going to work better than others. Yes. Like, for instance, I was huge. I was massive in China. It just amazed the hell out of me. Vampy came up to me, and she she was like, I had no idea that you were this popular here in China. And, yeah, I, my, the line for, you know, the, the fans to take pictures with me and, you know, buy prints and everything like that was twice as big as hers. And it was it was as big as Nicole Marie or uh, Leanna Vamp, which shocked the hell out of me because I was the only male cosplayer in that league of female cosplayers. Yeah, and I was so used to what happens you know, here in the States where you know, primarily people come to see the female cosplayers. In China, it was, it was completely the opposite. And yeah, that that completely caught me off guard. And it was the same thing when I was in Poland. Yeah, so I I I, I told a story that was going somewhere, and I for the life of me can't remember where I was going with that. But um, that's what is, we do here. Yeah, it is important that yeah you know, they be at a con because. And, and again, uh, let me reiterate that it has to be somebody that would actually appeal to that market. You know, because uh, Yaya, as wonderful as she is, um, she's not going to be, yeah, she's going to be good in specific markets and not good in some others. Not everybody's going to hit the mark on every single place they go to. But that doesn't mean that they aren't a draw. And that doesn't mean that and I always I'm sorry. No, I was nothing. I was just gonna say I always I always uh try to I always wonder how these uh promoters decide what, what is the right you know, what is the right uh number that this person's requesting versus what I anticipate getting it by bringing this person there. Well um I so yeah, I'm I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. No, go okay. ahead. So I uh, I actually, and it's, I've seen it done a couple of times and I've, I've suggested this before that there's a way to quantify that, you know, by giving the cosplayers a code that they can give out that's specific to them and they can actually see how many 
tickets are sold based on that code. So let's say they have five cosplay guests and each one has their own individual code that they can promote, you know, to sell, you know, tickets to the event and they'll know which ones sold more than the others or who actually right, promoted right. You know, and stuff like that. And that's a good way for them to quantify, you know, having them as a guest. Or at least in my, so in my going forward, going forward, how do you see cons changing from the cosplay perspective? Well, I, I think right now, because they've suffered so many, you know, losses, you know, because all the cons got canceled last year and, I have a feeling that a lot of them are going to be canceled this year. They're going to be extraordinarily selective as to who they bring in as guests because they have to watch your budgets. So that isn't going to leave a lot of discretionary, you know, money for cosplay guests. Yeah. Cause they're always considered lowest tier. Uh, as right. As, Cause bringing in a specific name is not going to draw, Hey, in years past, maybe it's drawn an extra, you know, thousand right. five thousand extra people whereas now it's going to be probably significantly less right? well but yeah and and especially if they have to scale back the amount of attendance that they can have at the con as well yeah they, yeah, they yeah. can't actually justify i think they'll invite them and say look we'll give you a booth we'll give you a free pass but that's it if you want to come yeah unless we get everyone to sign the waiver <laughs> <laughs> there is always that, um, but but you understand what I'm saying. They'll, they'll cover a certain portion of it, but it won't be what it used to be. At least not for the foreseeable future. Yeah, because I mean, it just makes business sense. And w- what I'm afraid of is that people are going to start getting used to not seeing cosplay guests or not seeing as many of them. And then that's going to become the norm. And obviously right. we need the attendees to sit there and go, okay, we understand why you didn't have as many this year, but okay, that was this year. So what about next year? Can we have more? We really like to see them. So they have to talk to the promoters and you know, the, the, the corporations who put on these cons and let them know that they want the cosplay guests because they're going to go based on numbers. Yeah. And the only way they know is if somebody actually tells them, you know, in mass, Hey, this is what we want to see. This is what we want. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I do hope, uh, there are, there are some conventions that overload on cosplay guests. And I think it's, uh, there are, it's, it's a detriment to the cosplay community for sure. Cause they, you know, when you have, you know, 15 of the, the same type of cosplayer, you know, in a row, and then you've got like, you know, five of this type, five of this type, five of this type, like you've got 30 cosplay guests. And and if you do conventions a lot, you know exactly which convention I'm talking about, Um, you know, but, you know, they they have all of these cosplay guests and it it dilutes the cosplay talent that's there. Um, And I I think that's, you know, it's a it's a disservice to to those cosplayers. It does. And yeah, the the other thing that I wouldn't mind seeing is that the conventions bring in more local cosplayers, you know, uh, and, and mix it in with, yeah, even if they don't have a massive following, even if they don't, you know, they, they aren't this end all, you know, just to say, Hey, we've been paying attention. 
And, you know, they're just as qualified as these quote unquote top tier, you know, cosplayers. And I say that only because there are X number of people that, you know, do the circuit and they do it well. But it'd be nice to see some different faces from time to time. It would be get uh, get some exposure for sure. Yeah. <sighs> so this has been a fan freaking tastic talk. I'm happy that uh, that we were able to get you on. Um, I, I'm happy oh, that I you got on for uh, for for short notice for sure. You get to talk about yourself and 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 you <laughs> didn't uh, you didn't hesitate. It was nice. Uh, we didn't have to ask you that many questions. That was so wonderful. <laughs> I I I I well it's it's uh. It's a topic that I'm well versed in, so well and passionate about. It's pretty yeah, obvious. When, there's that too. When we do interviews, we uh, we 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 have a couple of topics that we like to uh, to talk about as we're closing everything out. Um, Ryan has a couple questions that he always asks. I have a couple that I always ask. Um, so I'll go first with mine, and then let let uh, Ryan wrap them out, um, and let you uh, get on and uh, go back to that nine to five job that you got going tomorrow morning. Um, yeah, I know you're 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 pulling some crazy shifts, but um, for me, I, my two questions. I you know you know I'm an entertainment person. You know you yes. know that I'm kind of a kind of a person that likes to you know to have my thing. Um, whenever I have to you know have to listen to something in the background i can i can listen to it you know all day long i can watch a movie you know i it's space balls for me you know do you have a go-to like a go-to piece of entertainment that you're like you know what i could i could watch this a million times you know this could be my my training montage music it could be everything to me I, I I almost want to say the movie Bring It On, but I'm not going to. <laughs> but you just did. Um, I did. Um, no, I. It, it honestly, it really depends. Um, I what I've gotten in the habit of doing each new project that I start, I will pick a series that I've already seen before that has multiple seasons, and that's what I put on in the background. I like, for instance, I was I'm working on I'm uh, restoring this museum piece uh, from uh, the movie uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and I've been watching West Wing. Yeah, that's been in the background the entire time. Um, for instance, when I do my Photoshop stuff, it's I listen to you know Pink Floyd, The Wall. So it it depends. It really depends. I mean, sometimes I even get into the mood to listen to Frank Sinatra. So yeah, there's that. Okay. So the whole time you were talking about bring it on, I I was doing gas. <laughs> I have to confess. That's nice. Sorry. I love that. So I, I'm going to change up my question because usually I talk about food, sure. um, and y- you and I are both foodies. Um, yes. But we're we're going to talk about something a little different. Um, I. I've been to your house. I yes, you have. I know what a massive collection of, of fan <laughs> stuff you have. Um, yeah. it, it's it's impressive. So, for you, like in your collection of stuff, I, I already know what you're going to say. But what is your <laughs> crown jewel? Um, well, you already know what I'm going to say. It is a first edition. Uh, eighteen ninety seven 
first American edition, Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is really cool. Yeah. That that's that's my you know it's under wraps. I only show it to specific people. Yeah, and and I also have my very first dinosaur book from when I was. That's born. awesome. I I still have. Oh, that's yeah. really cool. It's funny you mentioned that book. Just off topic, when uh, Meg and I were in. I think it was we were in Paris at the time, and she likes when we go away. She always looks for old books. Oh, I love old books. And so we're we're in like some little place in Paris, and these books are for 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 an American, they're yeah. ancient, right? These things are so old. So um, we're looking through, and she's like, "Wow, I can't believe you know you have these these so old. They're out here on the <laughs> shelf." And the guy was like, "Oh, th- th- those aren't old." And meanwhile, they're from like the yeah. seventeen, eighteen hundred. Yeah. Like we bought. We bought a version of Plutarch's Lives, um, and it's the uh, it's it's a eighteen ninety eight I think. I, I have version I have a copy of Aesop's Fables from eighteen fifty six. Oh, that's fantastic! So anyway, he goes, "Oh, those aren't old." So yeah. He's like, "Come over here," and he had a copy of uh, Caesar's Commentaries. Oh, wow! From I mean, it was like from the 1600s really? or something. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in my life. Wow. <laughs> as, a, as an ancient Roman buff, I, I was just amazed. Obviously, we couldn't touch yeah, it. It was course. in a little case, but it was like, <laughs> holy crap, that thing. So when you said the, you know, the old one with, with Dracula, that's yeah, pretty cool. I am still – I can't afford a first European edition or the English edition, but, yeah, I got the first American edition. <laughs> hey. Yeah, as long as no, you're happy no, with I'm it, static with it, and it's in good shape right. too. And what I and I love buying these old books. Uh, there's a really good uh, vintage bookstore here in Palm Beach um, that oh. yeah just has some just amazing uh, works. But what I love and you know one thing I really look for when I buy the older books is that they're inscribed by the original owners. Yes. And, yes. The little yeah. notes that they write. And yeah, yeah, I gave my dad a 1926 thir- uh, first printing of Alice in Wonderland, the third book. Oh, yeah. very nice. And it had the original, it, it was from a father to a son back in 1926. And yeah, it came full circle where it yeah it went from a father to a son, and then from a son to a father. And yeah, that really touched my dad. Yeah, he was like, "That's just too cool." Yeah, but that kind of shit just really blows me away. Yeah, that's really cool. So, um, as sure. for my questions, it's too. I mean, it's it's really more of a promoter base. But since you're in, you know, in the biz, if you will, it. It's kind of it's two parts. So basically, if you could, if you were running a show, and money was no object for you as the promoter, name one person that you would, one person okay. who's still alive that you would pay to bring to a show. And then the second part is, uh, it can be the person could be dead throughout history. Oh my god, throughout so. history, I, I, dead <laughs> would have to be Bella Lugosi or Boris Karloff. I, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that's a good Either one. Yeah. Of those would be amazing. Um, 
alive. Hmm. It's funny you'd think the alive one no, would be easier the alive to one, it down. The, yeah, the, the alive one is because, <laughs> I mean, there, there's so many choices and you know, so many people that I've met. I mean, Carl Urban was just an amazing person to hang out with. Ming-Na Wen, when I met her in China, she was incredible. Yeah, and these are all people that I'd love to have at a show, but I'd love to have at a show you know, where I'm the only attendee. You know? so, yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, th- there's so many. And, and what I love about this hobby of ours, because it is a hobby. Yeah, unless you're Yaya or you know, some of these others that have just made an extraordinary living out of it. It's still a hobby. Um, but it's the only hobby where you're able to meet your idols. Yeah, you actually have access to yeah, your absolutely. idols. I mean, no other hobby is that even remotely considered. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know the answer. No, you definitely, you definitely, you definitely answered the question. I, I I get where you're going with that. You know, obviously didn't require an actual (laughs) answer, but I see exactly, I see exactly where you're going with that. But I, I, the only thing uh, that that I want to, I want to get in here is where, where can people, if people want to check out what you've done, if they're not familiar with, you know, with a bit medieval bad, if they're not um, familiar with that uh, fantastic course at work that you did that one time. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and and the Venom photo shoot. Oh, yeah, the Venom photo shoot. If they want to check that stuff out and kind of see who you are, if there's a promoter out there that's like, wait, I know that medieval Batman. I want to talk to that guy. Where do they find you at? I, I, I'm not as, you know, prolific on it as, as most people are. I have my favorite. Uh, if you just Google Carlos Blanchard Batman... That gives you everything. It gives you my MTV interview. That gives you my CNN interview, my CNET interview. I mean, you know, all that. It, it'll give you all the information you could ever want on me, which my mom is still very proud of. <laughs> and from what I gather, I haven't met your parents, but I hear your mother is a very sweet lady. She so. really is. All right. All right. Well, we will we will go ahead and wrap it up from there. And uh, I had a thanks great again time for, for coming on, Carlos. We really appreciate it. And uh, everyone else, thanks for tuning in this week. And we will uh, we'll catch you guys uh, in about see ten more days. Bye. See ya. Yeah, Carlos, you can hang out a second. Um, oh, yeah, thank, thanks so much again for doing that. That that's really uh, that was really great. It was uh, like she said during the uh, during it. Like we didn't really have to ask a lot of questions. You just, oh, went, yeah, that's... You just went with it. It was great. <clears throat> it's so much, you know, because everybody hears our voice all the time. So it's nice when they get somebody new, and we just kind of yeah, you on track and, and, and it's, it's so much easier for us. So, yeah, it's been good. Yeah, and and I've done these before, and I, I you know I I kind of know what you're looking for, and obviously I, I've known Alexa for a long time. So uh, yeah, yeah, I'm so yeah, sorry, I'm sorry too about that. And there, there's days. <laughs> I have to ask you where this. I book, knew you were going to ask that. Um, it's called the Book Exchange. Yeah, where is it's this? Off of North Lake and Alternate A One A. I'm oh, in. Okay. West where, Palm. So where are you? 
Oh, you're okay because we're in we're in Wellington, right off of the oh, sure. the Lake Worth. I'm, yeah, I'm, right I'm off the Lake Worth of, exit, uh, the Turnpike. Belvedere between Haverhill and Jog. Yeah, you guys are super close to one another. Yeah, oh, no, okay. I know. Yeah, he's talking about the collection. You're more yeah. than welcome to come by anytime and check out the collection. Because it's honestly, yeah, that would be great. Ask Alexa, okay. It's a fucking museum. Ryan, I gotta tell you, man. Like <laughs> when awesome. when he told me he had a collection, I was like, oh, cool. Like he's got this cool room and it's full of stuff and like that's great. And then I walked in, and it's not just a room. It's the whole house that is a a literal museum. Like you know those old like airplanes that you used to have when you were a kid that were hanging up like. You know, they were fighter planes. Carlos has, like, yeah, the original, yeah. ridiculously perfect, meticulously, like, built airplanes. You know, he's got I, – I, it's it's wild, man, some of the some of the stuff that's in that house. Yeah, and, and honestly, he – she's – Yeah, that's awesome. Barely even scratched the surface. Oh, yeah, that's so, pretty cool. Yeah, you have an open invite whenever you want to come by. No, I appreciate that. Okay. So what's the next show you're doing? No, Do I, I was year? supposed to be in Japan uh, <clears throat> this past January, but they canceled the show uh, until next year. And actually, it's two shows. It's one in Tokyo and one in Okinawa. Yeah. Oh, and uh, it's, Land. it's okay. actually part of the USO. Uh, one of the shows is uh, that's cool. The one in Tokyo is at an Air Force base, and the one in Okinawa is at a Marine Corps base. And you know, I really wish that we would have gotten into uh, into the fact that you're a veteran oh, nice. as well. I I would have liked to have uh, touched on that a little. And, and yeah, I mean, what the other thing that'd be funny is <clears throat> I'm fucking ancient compared to. I mean, well, I no, I'm not kidding. I'm 58 <laughs> years old. And uh, compared That's to that old. the average age of a cosplayer, yeah. Oh, jeez, oh, cosplay, yeah. yeah. No, no. no. I'm sorry. Compared to cosplayers, I'm like a grandmother. You're like a great, great grandfather. Like with a great ass. With a great <laughs> ass. Let's not forget that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Carlos has to do a lot of squats. Lot of squats. squats. He's a master carpenter. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. Yeah. There you go. There you but go. But no, this was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm glad you asked. That's funny. Well, yeah, for sure. Yeah. No. Thanks again. Um, and I'm gonna get this thing up yeah, for tomorrow. So. Um, yeah, you'll get a yeah, uh, go on and go on and check it yeah. out. Yeah. And you'll get we'll a you'll get a little notification on your app that says, you know, a podcast you're a part of uh, has been published or what have you. So feel free to share it with whoever you want. Um, You don't have to. Right. But, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, let anybody know that uh, might want to hear it. You know, your mom, because she might want to listen to you. Oh, no, I'm definitely going to let my mom know because (laughs) she'll kill me if I don't. That's so funny. All right. Well, I will. Uh, I will talk to you guys. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, Carlos. Yes, you will. All righty. Thanks, Carlos. See ya.